Nice. Thank you to the Ben and Enrique Comedy Show. <laughs> Woo! Uh, you know, first of all, uh, here's the first announcement I want to make. Um, we're just super excited that, that you're all here. Um, I, I wore my Ukraine shoes uh, because this is a big deal, and we are actually going to be hosting uh, a prayer meeting uh, 7.30 uh, tomorrow night, and so you can find that information on epicenter.org slash events. Yes, okay. And again, you know, I, I think uh, we, we live in a world that is so crazy, where the heart, the human heart of evil is so profound, and yet right in the middle of that, God is at work. Right in the middle of chaos, Kairos comes. Right in the middle of crisis, those are the places where God, where Christ is. And so I just want to encourage you, do not be dismayed, uh, even though it's so discouraging. I know that there's all kinds of believers in Ukraine that are praying. I know of teams that are starting to mobilize to reach out to refugees. Evelyn and I had a chance to talk with somebody uh, who's starting to prepare in Germany for all the refugees that are coming. And let's pray again. Let's pray for peace. Let's pray for world leaders that the war will end. But let's also pray that God comes and meets people. That people have visitations so that the things that when, when the nations and the world are shaking, God is at work. Well, again, you know, this is, uh, this is really cool. And uh, we didn't know what to expect. And here we are. Uh, you know, we started Epicenter in 2003, so we, that makes us a little bit more than 18 and a half years old, and I just want to introduce my amazing bride and uh, leader at home, Evelyn. Would you just stand? I'm just so grateful for her prayers and her leadership over us, and <laughs> yeah, we're just thankful. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to preach a whole bunch today. I'm actually going to facilitate some stories. Uh, but I, I want to say this, you know, uh, many of you have had a situation where maybe at a certain point in your life, or even now, you didn't exactly know who you were. And then you met Jesus and you learned who your father was. And he brought you into a church and you learned that they were your family. Do you, have you had that experience? And you know, being in a family doesn't mean it's perfect. Right, because families sometimes can be a little messy and a little, ah, you know, um, but but families give us a sense of security. Families give us a sense of identity. They give us a sense of who we are. And so, what this is is we've got a bunch of families here. We've got hope. We've got the Hope family. We've got the New Life family. We've got Epicenter West LA and this little family over here in Irvine that's just getting started. And then it turns out that. Your family is part of a clan. And so this is our first larger family gathering that we've had in quite a while. So I want you just to look, look around. God has chosen us and he's called us. And you know what? We look not exactly like this city, but a little bit like it. And God has called you and I as individuals and members of a family to be part of a larger clan that's meant to impact this city. And we get a chance to do that together. And it's just like Abraham, just like the children of Israel. They had a family. They had their tribe. 
their clan and then their tribe. That's Antioch. And then the larger family, which is the body of Christ. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm getting a little older, but there was a time when I, when I could get up on a basketball court. That rim looks really high. But I, there was a time when I could do a reverse slam dunk on a 10-foot rim many, many years ago. But before that, before that, there was a time when I played basketball at Glendale High School on the 10th grade team, and I scored, well, I'll actually give you a guess. How many points do you think I scored in a whole season? Talk to your neighbor. How many of you guys guessed three? I scored three points in a whole season. Thank you very much. I was a star, right? And way before that, there was this time when I was in third grade and I was on the playground and everybody was choosing sides and I didn't get chosen. And so I took the ball <laughs> and ran away. <laughs> Has anybody ever done that? There's no, there was no worse feeling in the whole world than not being seen and not getting chosen and then to act badly on top of it. But I want you to know something. Every one of us has a desire to have somebody be able to see us and go, I choose you. And you know what? God the Father wants to impress something on you today. No matter how old you are, no matter the color of the skin you have, no matter what you do for your job, no matter how it is that you think other people look, God your Father sees you and he says, I choose you. You were chosen. You are chosen. I want us just to say that. I don't know if the slides, I can't see what's there. But let's just say together, we are chosen. Here's what 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. After this, you know, Peter goes on to say, you, once you weren't a people, but now you're a people. Once you weren't chosen, but now you're the people of God. Once you haven't received mercy, but now you have. We are a chosen people. And you know what? I don't know about you. It's not that I earned it. It's not that, I'm that, that we're special that God chose us. But out of the goodness of his heart, he saw you, and maybe like me, he pulled your feet out of the darkness and out of the mud and put you on a solid footing and then said, I choose you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for you. And then he says this amazing thing. He says, we're a royal priesthood. Turn to your neighbor and say, yo, you're a priest. Now, I know that seems a little weird. I don't know what kind of church background you come from. But see, priests had two jobs. The first job of a priest was to give their life to God so that God was honored. That's something that every one of us gets to do by the choices we make, by the way we spend our money, by what comes out of our mouth. We honor God. And we're people that are called to honor him first and foremost. And then the second job of a priest was to go minister to people. To give and pour out the grace of God to, to, to people. And so this is why we're called a royal priesthood. And then Paul, uh, Peter tells us our job is to declare 
His praises. To declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You know, there's going to be a day, the Bible says, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I don't know how far away that time is. Lots of us don't think it's too far. And you know what? For many people who know Jesus, it's going to be a time of great rejoicing because the things that we've prayed for, the perseverance we've had in the middle of difficulty, and finally our eyes will be opened and the one that we've been giving our life to and the one that we've been sacrificing and suffering for will be revealed, revealed in full glory. Now there's going to be a number of other people for whom that's going to be a shock because they're going to say, literally they're going to say, oh my God, I was wrong. My atheism was wrong. My Hinduism was wrong. What I believed about God and the end of the world was wrong. So, you know, we have this time to be priests between now and then to keep as many people here in our city, here in our region, across the nations of the earth from being here, but being here instead. That's what we get this opportunity to do. We get this opportunity to be mirrors of light that show light into darkness. Now, earlier I mentioned that we are chosen, but we're actually chosen to go. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, there was a certain kind of church. It was called a temple, right? And you know what was remarkable about the temple is that there was only one of them. There were these professional priests, and everybody had to go to the temple, right? That, that's what the whole thing was all about. And some of you grew up in Catholic churches where there was a priest and everything happened at the temple. That's where the glory of God is. That's where all the good stuff happened. But you know what? In the New Testament, Jesus sort of messes everything up. In John chapter 2, he has this very interesting conversation with the Jews. And, and they say to him, hey, Jesus, how do we know that you're really the Messiah? And he says, well, I'm going to tear the temple down and rebuild it in three days. And they're like, that temple took 46 years to build. How are you going to do that? Are you a superhero? And he says, no. And John then says, the temple he was talking about was his body. Whoa. In the Old Testament, there was this huge temple that was made out of stones. But in the New Testament, the temple's got legs. It starts walking around. And then we learn in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus went to every town and village throughout Galilee. And he saw that people were hurting like sheep without a shepherd. And he saw and felt their pain because he walked right in to those places. And so then we learn that the temple not only has legs, but the temple has eyes. And the temple has ears. And the temple has a mouth to speak truth and hands that touch people. And then Jesus calls disciples to himself and says, pray for the Lord of the harvest. And in Matthew 10, he sends out the first 12 and he tells them to go. And then in Luke 10, he sends 70 and he tells them to go. And then before he leaves, the, the very verse that we sent Jeremy out with, he said, now go to all nations baptizing people and teaching people that I am the truth, the way and the life. And then in Acts 1.8, he says, and you're going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and the ends of the earth. And we learn that in this period of history, 
This is not about come church. This is about the church that goes. Like Jesus, like, like, the, apostle, like the apostles and Paul, we're all called to go. Now, you know what? I, I, many of you have probably never been in a situation where you've seen a long-term missionary sent to the field. And Jeremy's hoping to be there for the next 59 years, right, Jeremy? Out there in the nations, right? But, you know, not all of us are called to go to the Middle East. So I, I want you to do something. I want you to turn the person next to you and say, hey, where were you Thursday at noon? Okay, so uh, here's a question. How many of your neighbors answered they were in a church building? Okay, a few of you. Most of you weren't at church because you're already going. God's called you to go, and you're actually going all the time. You go to work, you go to school, you go to all kinds of places. And just like Jesus, you have eyes that can see, ears that can hear, a mouth that can speak truths, and hands that can touch people. You see, that's what we're all called to do. We're a people that's chosen to go and be priests to a world that desperately needs it. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go and we're, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our family. Uh, we're we're going to have a, a number of testimonies to tell you who we are. And, and I, I started with this thing about, about a family and about this clan that we're in. And I want you to know that this is true of us. We're all called to go and God gives us gifts. And so over the course of these next couple stories, you're going to learn something about how it is that our church does stuff. How it is that God uses us. So Ruth, why don't you come on up here? Everybody welcome up Ruth Lamb. So Ruth is uh, now um, here in Pasadena and she's helping us to minister to Afghan refugees. Come and tell us a little bit about it, Ruth. Well, they, they might not know. So, we've had all these Afghan refugees come to the U.S. We've been involved in settling hundreds of them, and our church has specifically adopted a family. Yes, so we did. A family of seven and one coming on the way, eight. Can you imagine that? So, two Fridays ago, we were able to move them into their apartment not very far from here. And I sat down and made a note and there were over 60 names, individual names that I knew of, of people that loved on this family and showed the love of Jesus. From the bus driver who let Daddy K, I'm going to call him, get on the metro without a metro car because it didn't work. To the epic Facebook friends, you know who you are, and our life group peeps who donated furniture, kitchen supplies, moving, helping with moving to the ESL coordinator at Franklin High School who said, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm going to pray, and don't worry. I'm going to take care of them. And to our home team with Boone in the middle somewhere over here, shout out to you and our home team for countless hours of um, love and, and just work. Um, and God is doing something amazing. And we prayed desperate prayers. And God opened all these doors for us. And the family knew that it's been God doing it. Last uh, Friday, 
Amy Fukao, one of our international staff workers in Japan, her mother, Zora, and I went to um, the, the family's home. And over some cardamom teacups, really good cardamom, we did a little reflection on the losses um, that they suffered and the hope that they're looking forward to. You see this family, they just bought a house in Kabul. And the mom, she picked out the paints for the rooms. They sold their rugs, their old rugs, to get new rugs. The 18-year-old son, he spent two years studying for his university entrance exams, but he left when Kabul fell. Now he has no high school diploma, no English. And he says, I did that for nothing. And then the little girl, I'll call her Aza, she pipes up and says, I miss my best friend, Yasmin. And with tears in his eyes, Daddy Kay said, my wife, she's lost. The kids are going to be okay. But she doesn't speak any English. She has no skills. How is she going to make it in this foreign land? And so we sit together, and we grieve the loss, and we lament. But there's also hope. The hope in their eyes, like the sister says, I want to be a pediatric nurse. And the brother says, I want to be a famous football player, or maybe the president. And little Aza says, I'm going to be a pilot. And we said, God hears your prayers, and he is for you. And you know what? God does answer. Yesterday, in a span of 15 minutes, a sister in Christ who didn't know the family, doesn't know the dad, gives him a job without interviewing him or seeing him. God answers prayer. After we left, the family got together on the floor. They sit on the living room floor, and the dad says, we had nothing. We came to this country with nothing. And now look at this apartment. We have everything. And we have a new family. And we tell them, we are your family because God calls us to be your family. And I believe one day they will call him Messiah and Lord. That's right. Thank you, Ruth. So, you know, one thing I learned from that story is this. We bring people to Jesus by bringing Jesus to people. Would you just repeat that with me out loud? We bring people to Jesus by bringing Jesus to people. Hey, well, let's uh, welcome up Enrique and Jenica. I think they're going to share and tell us a little bit about some good things going on in their church. Good morning. Good morning. Am I working? You're working all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the time, baby. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Yes. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, I think one thing I wanted to share, I uh, was telling Enrique, that strikes me, the, the phrase I felt like God brought to mind um, is that weakness is contagious. And you might not think that, but in our church, we are seeing that when we are weak and we are transparent, it is contagious. And we have seen that over and over again in these past months, that as people open up their lives of, I'm hurting, I need Jesus, I don't know what I would do without him, it is spreading like wildfire because it gives people permission to say, I'm weak too, I need Jesus too, and... Um, 
It's just creating these waves of just transparency and interdependency on one another and on God. That's just a beautiful thing to be able to see. So. Um, also, one of the things, good Lord, uh, also one of the things that uh, our, our church is up to, before I just talk about our church, I just want to say when we got started, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago, Epicenter Pasadena gave our church $10,000 to start. And I'm just so grateful there are many people that have come in and out of our churches and have heard the gospel, teaching, been discipled, and been loved on. Um, and I think you guys cast a seed and invested in that. And so from the bottom of my heart, I'd just like to say thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I also, I also uh, would be remiss if I just didn't want to just – I want to say thank you to um, New Life Church mm -hmm. for your love for me. When I was there, um, and I think, that, I think that when you first getting started, you think I'm all that in a bag of chips. And sometimes I still think that I'm all that in a bag of chips. But you start to realize after a while, like, there's a lot of um, suffering that happens that is good because a seed must die for something to be blossomed. And so I, I think I just love the story so far of like, hey, we're dying to love Afghan refugees. We're dying to start, we send Jeremy. We're dying to kind of start churches in Irvine and East LA and beyond. I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. Um, and if I could, just real quickly, I just want to honor uh, Tierra, Omar. If you stand up, Tierra, Omar, Chris, Chris in the back, Omar in the back. And then my boy, Alex Dobbs. Where's Alex Dobbs at? Um, these people were a part of our church when we were first getting started. And so I just want to say I love you guys. Thank you for your love and commitment to that. Um, other than that, I say that uh, what we're doing at our church at Hope is uh, doing our best to uh, stay faithful to Jesus, just like you are. Uh, we're seeing uh, what last, last week, as Jenica said, uh, not last week, uh, it was a couple of months ago, but uh, I just might have a small brain sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It's all fast. But yeah, I think what catalyzed this was uh, some persons, some people coming back to faith, and um, they started sharing about how I'm, I, I, can't, I can't do this, I, I can't do this. And like Jenica said, it was contagious, and all of a sudden people just started gathering around these people. And I just love our church. I don't know. Y'all have to come out and check us out every once in a while. You'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but I guess I'm just grateful. Thank you so much. That's all I got to say. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things that Enrique and I uh, talked about yesterday is this. It's being impacted by Jesus leads to impacting people for Jesus. Right? Would, would you just say that with me? Being impacted by Jesus leads to impacting people for Jesus. Well, hey, would you welcome up Quinn? He's uh, one of the elders from Epicenter West LA. Tell us what you do and, you know. All right. Good morning, church. Pleasure to be here this morning. Really honored. Uh, this is awesome. Um, so, like John said, I met from uh, West LA. And I think like many people on the West Side, I'm not from LA. I moved here um, for a career opportunity. Uh, I'm a physician scientist student who joined the lab named Hector, and this kid is just like on fire for God. And he one day in in, in in the middle of work, he's just like, "Hey, you're a Christian, right?" And he's like, "Man, I've been reading the Bible," and we just like started talking about it. And the three of us, uh, 
ended up starting a Bible study together uh, where we just, we're just meeting up in the middle of the day. We pray for the lab. We, we read the word together. And uh, people in the lab know about it. And uh, people, we've invited some people to join us. So there's a, a postdoc from Germany who kind of grew up in the church, but then um, hasn't really been part of any church community for a while. And so she's been coming, and, and we're like her mini church now. And then there's this, uh, a new postdoc from, the, from China who kind of briefly heard about Jesus when she was a graduate student there, but now coming to the States, um, is still totally just checking it out. And so she's been joining our Bible studies. Uh, we realized that she didn't have a Bible, so we bought her a Chinese-English Bible. And then, you know, about, about a month ago, she was like, you know, oh, I was just reading this, and it doesn't make any sense. I was like, oh, how, what are you reading? She's like, oh, I just randomly open and, like, start reading. I'm like, whoa, okay, let's, let's like, sit down and talk about this, right? So, so Katera and I, like, had lunch with her, and we just, like, explained the whole gospel to her, the whole Bible, and, she, and now she's, like, oriented, and she's, like, going to start reading. And it's just been awesome because, you know, our, our lab's not huge. We've got about 15 people, and three of us are, like, legit Jesus followers, and then we've got people who are interested in, in learning more. And so I think there's just a, a shift in the culture in our, in our lab where, you know, the university is a place that is driven by a lot of ego, driven by success and accomplishment, and I think that our lab is not. We're, we are a kind of a countercultural lab, mm. and I think it's Come just on. been amazing to see Jesus uh, transform the culture of a workplace through a couple of Jesus following people in the, in the lab. So Thank awesome, yeah. Lord. And then maybe just one last thing to add. I think the, the other thing that's just been so awesome to see is that uh, Katera and Hector and I are pretty different. Uh, Hector's Mexican-American, I'm Chinese-American, Katera's African-American. We all have like slightly different theological views on stuff, but it doesn't matter because we're just working together uh, for Jesus in the workplace. Well, so while we're, while we're at this, would you just take a minute and let's pray for God's kingdom to come in your workplace as it is in heaven right now. All right, let's just do that for wherever it is that you work. Holy Spirit, we ask that you show up in this lab, that you uncover the lostness and the desperation that's in people's hearts, and we ask that your kingdom would come, that your light would come in Quen's lab as it is in heaven and every other place where our people work and go to school. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to ask uh, Annie Ticharian, who's a member of our church, and Miguel uh, who is part of uh, New Life Community Church to come on up, and they're going to talk about some things going on at Chick-fil-A in Monterey Park. Ladies <laughs> uh, first. All right. I'll go for okay. Go ahead. Go. Go for it. I know we talked about it. Yes. Okay, so uh, I'm a little bit nervous, but here it goes. All right, so all right, my name is Miguel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Miguel. I am, a I am a member of New Life Community Church. I just want to start by saying that I'm, I'm honored to partner with Morris, Bev, and Annie on this journey that we have at Chick-fil-A Monterey Park. Thank you for being my friend. I am a part of the leadership team there. So living, living on mission in the workplace is something that we intentionally do because that's how we strive to live our lives. I have many stories of how God has showed up in our restaurant, but I'm going to stick to one. I'm going to talk about one guy that has really impacted my life, and I've seen what God has done in his life. His name is Jimmy. Quick background on Jimmy. Jimmy is the youngest of five. His father was never around. His mother and his siblings lived in shelters because of addiction the majority of his young life. 
Jimmy came to us as one of our first guys hired as a regular back of house team member. Jimmy was really quiet. He hardly spoke to anyone, focused on what he was going to, to learn. When I first met Jimmy, I noticed he was a shy guy, but not knowing he was shy because of what had gone through his life, all the suffering, all the trauma he went through. Getting to know Jimmy has really inspired me to see the way God loves people. Jimmy has really grown into the man God wants him to be. Being at Chick-fil-A and being at Chick-fil-A, Morris and I have spoken words of encouragement and identity into his life, helping him understand that God has been in his life guiding his every step. Jimmy has learned to embrace what God has done for him. We invited him to join our cleansing stream class we put together at, work, at our workplace. I led the, the men, Annie led the women, and there, I love the way Jimmy talked about how God has really impacted his life. And as he felt the presence of God in, in his years of struggle as a young man, Jimmy has inspired me to have more faith in everything God has done mm -hmm. for us. Not only was I mentoring him, but he was also mentoring me without even knowing. Mm -hmm. We're all a work in progress, and Jimmy has really came a long way by staying faithful and thankful for what God has done in his life. I know God sees him and honors him. I know Jimmy will lead other men, young men in his future. I really feel that through God and Chick-fil-A, lives have changed and made a big impact in the lives of young, many young men and women. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you. you. So we just get to do so many fun things, and we have story after story of how God's been working and I just really love Chick-fil-A's corporate vision statement, which is to glorify God with all that is entrusted to us and to have a positive impact on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. So as leaders, we, um, what's entrusted to us that is most important is our people. And so we intentionally know that because we want to steward our people well, we are asking God daily, who are you moving on? Who do you want us to work with? And we create an environment for God to be there. So we're praying over our store every day. We have monthly worship and prayer to cover our store and our community. And we have seen God move over and over again. And I just want to share a quick story of a day one team member named Annabelle. So she came to us, sweet, sweet girl, so quiet and timid. You could barely hear her voice. And Rachel Chen from Epicenter was one of our leaders early on, and God just highlighted Annabelle to her. So she started meeting with her, both inside and outside of work, started investing in her, and then Rachel left to um, serve overseas, and then she transitioned to another job. And Rachel never got to see what happened with Annabelle, but Annabelle started coming out of her shell. And she um, started sharing her ideas, and she had really great ideas. And in year three, she joined our leadership class, and now she's one of our trainers. And Rachel never got to see what happened because she partnered with God. But because she said yes, Annabelle was able to step into who God has called her to be. Mm -hmm. And when we create that environment for God and we say yes to partnering with him, it's not only for us, but it's for everyone else as well. Oh, come on. Thank you. I, I forgot the, the thing for Quinn, which was we can bring the culture of God's kingdom in any place. But here's what I learned from uh, Miguel and Annie. 
the most exciting ministry of the church takes place between Monday and Sunday. What, what do you think about that? Right? Th this is how we have to understand. So would you say that with me? The most exciting ministry of the church takes place between Monday and Sunday. I mean, I was going to put Saturday, but we do want God to show up on Sunday too. Okay. All right. Uh, hey, we've got Kathy and Eunice from Epicenter Irvine. So uh, they're part of a team that uh, many of you might know. They got planted as a church plant in Irvine four months ago. All right. So come on, stand up here right in the front here. And Okay. All right. So we're like the super baby. We're like four months old. <laughs> but um, when we planted out, um, the verse that God gave, me, gave us is the harvest is plentiful and the harvest is ripe. We just need to open our eyes and catch the fruit that's falling. So we're like, okay. Um, so we're going to share just one or two really brief story of, of what, um, yeah, some cool things that happened. Okay. So about a month ago, we had the Ed Savoso weekend. I don't know if I think a lot of you were there or watched it. But after that, one of our teammates, Angela, who's a makeup artist, um, some of you might know her, um, she's like, I want God to use my, my art, my craft, makeup for his glory. And so she's like, hey, Eunice, how about let's host a makeup class and invite all the women that we're reaching out to to your home and and let's go from there we're like okay so our team members they jumped in with babysitting so the moms can be free and stuff. So it was it was so cool we prayed and um, one of the women that came is someone that we know God has been pursuing already there has been like a mini miracle in her life she's not a Christian but she knows there's something and so Kathy is going to Take yes. it from there. So after the makeup class, we took her out to lunch, and we got to know her a little better. And then we got some boba after, and, like, it was a beautiful day, and we just sat outside in the plaza at these tables. And actually, like, right there at the tables, we, um, we got to go through, like, the bridge diagram with her, and then we led her to Christ. And, yeah, she, she prayed for the first time right there in public out loud. And she was so happy and asking us all these questions like, oh, can I talk to God now? Like, when, when can I talk to him? And how do I talk? Do I have to stand or sit? Or can I talk to him when I'm brushing my teeth? And we were just so overjoyed, um, feeling like God was, uh, like, cheering for us in heaven with this new soul. Yeah. yeah. So afterward, we're like, okay, got to disciple her now. So her and her husband, we kind of like entrusted them to Kathy and Wes because they're kind of similar age, they're similar interests, or like they'll be good together. Um, so we started discipling them in Wes and Kathy's place. And they just moved in like three weeks ago or four <laughs> weeks ago. So at their new home, we started doing that. So Kathy will share a little more. Yeah, so the second time that we were meeting, Ben calls us up and is like, hey, sorry guys, I can't come tonight. Uh, can you just lead a simple worship together? And we're like, sure. And Wes has never played guitar in front of anyone before. And he actually only knows four chords that he learned in quarantine. So Wes, he's like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to do our best that night. And so he played with his painful, hurting fingers. <laughs> and I sang. <laughs> and, you know, while we were singing, tears were just streaming down her face. And we asked her, like, oh, what is, what's making you cry? And she said, uh, sorry, she said, oh, I don't, I don't even know this song, but while you're singing, it's so beautiful, and I just feel darkness leaving my heart. 
And wow. yeah, it was, it was really cool to hear that from her because um, we were just doing our best. Uh, but <laughs> and, and then right after that, we uh, did a Discovery Bible study on John 10, which is a story of the good shepherd and the sheep hearing his voice. And we did a really like simple, a few minutes, we just closed our eyes and asked God to speak to us. And in that moment, she started crying again. And so she shared, well, yeah, when I was closing my eyes, I saw a bright light and I heard a voice that just said, come follow me. Uh, you don't have to worry about anything. And she said, I don't know if I just imagined that or made it up, but that's what I heard. And we told her, that's amazing because Jesus said that in the Bible. And you might not have read that, but it's actually straight from his mouth. And he just wants to talk to you and he's asking you to follow him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we that was so amazing that God already wants to encounter people. I always tell like our you know, the people, our team, like, we're just like the matchmaker, you know, we just have to kind of introduce and then get out of the way and let them meet, let the people meet. And really quick, like Ben did the exact same DBS with another new believer. And he said during the time he closed his eyes, he saw a flock of sheep and Jesus leaving that flock to go really far to get him. And he's never read the Bible. And we're like, oh, my gosh, that is, and Ben's like, let me show you where that is in the Bible. That is from God. So God is wanting to encounter people. Yeah. All right. So here's what I learned from that. Since God's already working, we just get to the right places by positioning our hearts with expectancy. Would you read that out loud? Since God's already working, we get to the right places by positioning our hearts with expectancy. Hey, I'm going to ask Fernando and Sochi to show to come on up. So now let me just explain who they are. Uh, where's Mike Gableman? Mike's here somewhere. Uh, he, Mike is a member of our church, and he started something called Mission Flight. Uh, Mike's a pilot, and so he has a bunch of airplanes, and we have started doing regular trips into Mexico. They're doing work with migrants, and we've also identified an unreached people group called the Huichol. It's an indigenous people group, and so we're starting to do flights in their medical and dental clinics. And so then my wife, Evelyn, leads a ministry called Acts of Mercy, which is disaster relief. They've been doing a bunch of vaccine clinics, and we're going to start doing monthly um, medical, dental, and optical clinics here in um, Southern California. And so these guys are helping Evelyn, run Acts of Mercy. All right. So they just came back from uh, Mexico. And tell us a little bit about, about your trip. Yeah, well, first I just want to uh, kind of give you a little bit of background. Uh, my wife and I are both PAs, physician assistants by trade. And so uh, we had uh, previously or, uh, volunteered with this uh, group called Medical Mission Adventures. And this was about 10 years ago. And we did some work uh, with them. And uh, then we had kids. We got really, really busy. <laughs> We kind of dropped out uh, there, but uh, when the founder, Louis Rosado, uh, was ready to, to, to give up that organization, he did so to Pastor John and, and uh, Pastor Evelyn, and uh, then they adopted us, and so for that, we're very grateful for them. And so when John was talking about this whole thing about, hey, you, you're being picked, you got picked, that's how we felt, you know? We really uh, didn't think that we were uh, worthy of doing it because we took such a long hiatus. But in, anyhow, we, uh, we took a group of about 17 volunteers and uh, pilots and uh, nurses and 
PAs, nurse practitioners, uh, there was a mental health professional, there was also a pastor that went along with us, and lay people, and this past weekend, we went to uh, San Quintin, Baja California, and it almost seems like, you know, past Mexico, this, the more south you go, uh, it gets just more poorer and, and, and poorer, but we were able to bless uh, uh, people there, and um, we had an amazing clinic. Uh, the first day on Friday, we had 48, we saw 48 medical, 36 optical. On Saturday, the next day, we saw 100 optical, 40 dental, and 85 medical for a total of 309 people that were blessed by the organization. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Absolutely. And those aren't even the people that really got prayed for. Okay. But uh, anyway, just wanted to let you guys know that this comes from a heart where we see the need where we, we can see that medical, dental, and optical really opens up a door for the gospel. So if, if any of you guys feels, feel that calling or, or sees that uh, as, a, as a great doorway, uh, we just invite you to come on over and talk to us. But the beauty of everything were the stories that were coming out, the stories of the, of the hearts mm -hmm. being touched by that. And for that, I want to invite my uh, beautiful bride to talk to you all about this. Hi, my name is Sochi, and um I just wanted to share the kind of people we minister were children to the elderly. And these, this area is, is very, there's a lot of poverty. Um, there are a lot of, mainly they're field workers, so a lot of our gross uh, produce comes from there. We saw the berry farms, Driscoll. We saw uh, the tomato farms, and um, that's where we actually landed, in one of those farms. But um, these people make $9.25 or between $9.25 to $10.50 a day. And they work six days a week. So that's like $60 or so. So that was very like impactful to us. We're like, wow. This, and, and they had um, such a loving heart and very beautiful people. And when we went there, we... we Especially me, I thought we're like, oh, we're gonna, we're bringing this team of 17 people. We're gonna bless them, and many of the uh, the times when we go on these mission trips, it's the other way around. We are blessed, and um, I wanted to share some stories with me, especially because I was seeing these patients, and um, I do speak Spanish, so I I think it was a combination of things of me being Spanish speaking, understanding their language, but also I had three different men that were different ages. They were from 20, maybe 30s, and then there was a 77-year-old. And when I was talking to them, we were talking about their medical needs, and all of a sudden, they just started crying and sharing their, their hearts. And I was like, I was shocked, because coming from this culture, Mexican, you know, they don't cry. It, like, men don't cry. Usually, that's just a, a taboo that we have. So... I, I was kind of shocked. I started crying with them, and a lot of it had to do with unforgiveness in their past, a lot of guilt and that sort of thing, and, and it was so beautiful to allow the Holy Spirit to, to use me and be able to, like, pray with them and, and allow that open door to bring healing to their hearts. So that was very, that was very impactful for me during that weekend. Um, and again, like Pastor said, we, we, you know, how we, we come on these mission trips and we bring, um, we bring Jesus to them. And I think that's what these men saw, that um, 
we were a group of people caring and loving on them. Um, and again, like how God works, uh, you know, in our backgrounds, like here we are medical professions, but, but he used our hearts. Mm -hmm. And anyone could, you know, he could use you as well. Um, so come and visit us at the table. We're going to have an Acts of Mercy table, and you, um, you guys are more than welcome to, to come by. And uh, we're going to start a training uh, in the spring uh, coming up next month. So we will be happy to share, and come on and join us. So there's going to be monthly trips in different parts of Mexico. All right. So here's, here's one thing I, I think we can learn from this. God uses our skills as well as our character and love to bring Jesus to others. Amen? Why don't you say that out loud with me? God uses our skills as well as our character and love to bring others to Jesus. Okay, now I, I just want to embarrass Alex, our Chinese pastor. He's right over there, and he refused to come up here, and he wanted me to tell his story for him, so I told him he owes me. So I, I'm, just, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, Tiffany's a, a, a woman who came to our Chinese ministry uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, she was already Christian, faithful, a single parent, uh, but she had never really encountered God. And so she started getting discipled by Michelle, who's uh, Alex's wife and just a great discipler, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, they were telling me about this time they were at this gathering, and the Holy Spirit met her, and she was down on the ground for like four hours having this deep encounter. And when she woke up, she was just different. And then our Chinese ministry does something called Alpha, where they share a bunch of videos. Well, it's first it's all the great Chinese food, and then a bunch of videos. And uh, then people have come to Christ. And I think they've led more than 200 Buddhists to Christ over these last 10 or 15 years. I've seen a bunch of them baptized. Um, and, um, and so Tiffany started uh, one of the um, Epicenter Chinese life groups, <coughs> and there was a gal uh, by the name of Cynthia who was actually in their life group and she got saved and Alex baptized her about five years ago. So then what happened was um, Tiffany had been going back and forth to Taiwan because she has family there and her kids, uh, you know, she was kind of empty nest. And so a year ago, she moved out to Taiwan and she did what she had learned here. She started loving on people, visiting people, uh, first one, then two, then three, they did a mini alpha course and a bunch of people got saved out there in Taiwan. And so they ended up baptizing some of them and then Cynthia was part of that and she had gone to China and because uh, she owns a business over there and so she started leading some of her factory workers to Christ and they ended up seeing some of them baptized and so it's an amazing thing because there's now baptisms in Taiwan and in China that have taken place and there's an epicenter Chinese life group and they actually meet on Sunday services and they watch the stream YouTube video that our Chinese people put on for their phone every week. Like, whoa, come on. So here's what I learned from that. Being faithful to love God and people here gives us skills to do that wherever we go. All right, so I want you to repeat that with me. Ready? Being faithful to love God and people here gives us skills to do that wherever we go. So we've talked about this. We're chosen and created to be a people that go. Or another way to put this is we are anointed and appointed and anointed to be a people that go. Now here's the thing I just want to stress with you. Remember I was talking about the church that comes and how that was Old Testament, 
and how in the New Testament we're supposed to be a church that goes? Turns out that most churches in America are come churches, right? I mean, we're talking about go churches because I believe that that's what we are, but most churches here in America are come churches, and I want to make a comment to you. As you know, we've had a lot of challenges in our world over these last couple years with all the politics, with all the race divisions, with all the fighting over masks and this and that. There's so, been, been so much division. And I want to make a suggestion to you. For a lot of people in our world, they're never going to come to a church. The church, for a lot of people who are non-Christians, has a certain smell. And they're like, I don't think I, need, I, don't think I want that. Because the church has looked to many people like it's self-centered, like it's insulated, like it's unaware, like it doesn't have eyes that see and doesn't have ears that hear. I don't think come churches are going to do it, are going to make it in the rest of this decade. What the people of this world need, what the people who are broken, what the people who are hurting, what people who are in darkness need is people that go who believe when two or three people are gathered in his name, he's there with them because they have the eyes that can see. Just like Jesus, it's the mobile church that shows up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they, that have this, the eyes of Jesus, that listen with the ears of Jesus, who can speak the words of Jesus and touch people with his hands. Sons and daughters of the living God, we are chosen, and that is who we are. And the fact that God's wound us this way and given us this call is crucial in this time, in this time in history, here in this country and throughout the nations. So, one last thing. We've got a video from Gus, who's an elder at New Life Community Church. I want you just to watch the screen here. Hello friends, this is Gus. Um, wish I could be there with you for this uh, Sunday service. And, but God had other plans. This all started about a year ago where I was uh, given an image of a certain location out in the desert. And later on, as time went on, prayer went on. God showed me a little bit more and more. And now I'm here at LAX on my way there to a spot in North Africa. Um, yeah, I'm going to meet a team out there who is basically from uh, Latin America. <clears throat> no one on the team speaks English. So it's going to be an exciting trip. And from that location, we'll be headed, headed out to a small village that we haven't been to before. But it's just all spirit dead. And one day God asked me if I would just say yes, and I did. And I hope there are many more of you out there who are willing to Make that trip, make that commitment to God and just say yes to where he's calling you to. Listen to your elders. 
Elder Gus says he's, God's looking for people to say yes to him. I just want you to stand where you are. There's been a number of things that we've talked about today. And as, we, I mean, as I put these up on the screen and read them briefly, I think what I want to ask is, is that you do this and say, God, what are you asking me to say yes to? What do you want to do with my life? The first thing we talked about is this. We bring people to Jesus by bringing Jesus to people. You know, if God's speaking to you about that, would you just place your hands on your heart and say, Lord, use me. Just talk to God about the things that you know he's saying into your heart today. Here's the second one. Being impacted by Jesus leads to impacting people for Jesus. You know, if God's been speaking to you about that and you're like, I need to let God in. I've just been surfaced with him, but I'm hearing stories and I don't want to be like those people. If that makes sense to you, I want you to place your hands on your heart right now and say, God, come in all the way. Make me more abandoned. Help me to be more wholehearted. Maybe some of you, the, the, the message that God really wants to say is, we can bring the culture of God's kingdom into any place. And maybe for some of you, you need to place your hand on your heart right now and say, God, I have, I have a spirit of unbelief about my workplace. I believed it was too hard because the people were too smart and Father, forgive me. If that's true of you, would you just place your hand on your heart now and repent and ask God to change your mind about where he's called you. Maybe for others of you, as you were listening to Miguel and Annie, you realize that you've actually been complaining. You've had a grumbling spirit about your week. And you need to repent and say, God, the most exciting work that you do is between Monday and Saturday. Forgive me. Forgive me about my attitude about school. Forgive me about my attitude about what, what's going on at home. Forgive me about my attitude at where I work. For others of you, it was this. Since God's already working, we get to the right places by positioning our hearts with expectancy. And let's just ask God, Lord, open my eyes. Help me to dream with you. God uses our skills as well as our, as our character to bring Jesus to others or being faithful to love God and people here will give me skills to do that somewhere else. say yes. I'm just going to take the next couple minutes to worship and declare who we are.
this is our calling. We are chosen, you and I are members of a family that God's called together to be ones that go and shine light in the darkness. And I know this is a little inconvenient, but as our team leads, if you want to recommit your life to Jesus, or really, maybe for the first time, give your heart to Him. We've got a bunch of room up here. I just want you to come up and kneel. Come on forward. Just come on forward, and our team's going to lead us. And I want to encourage you... If God's moving on your heart, come on forward, place your hands on your heart, and just begin to talk to the Lord. Ask Him to undo some things in your mind and your soul to free you up 